Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Whataburger line Dance halls and women But man, I'm wishing That I was fishing by the river Howdy, 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 everyone, or bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Texas, the show about some things Texas. And some things French. We, <laughs> it actually is some things French today. Yeah. Uh, we have sort of an impromptu French day-to-day, honestly. Yeah, it's, Great uh, French, French episode. Themes, you know? Yeah, we yeah, haven't absolutely. eaten French fries. We just have an actual French man on yeah. the show today. Looking forward to that interview with our good buddy, Robin. Robin? Yes, I go. I think I passed at the wrong spot, but that'll be in just a minute. But first, as always, your favorite part of the podcast and ours, not sponsors. Not sponsors. Who's our first not sponsor? Our first not sponsor is eating too much chili. Eating, eating too, too much, much chili. chili. Feel like you got to go to the bathroom? You're not gonna. Eating, eating too, too much, much chili. chili. Does it feel like there's a dragon in your butthole now? Eating, eating too, too much, much chili. chili. When you burp and you smell it for five whole minutes. Eating too much chili. <laughs> hurts going in, hurts coming out. I mean, it feels great going in. <laughs> feels horrible coming. It is literally like the nacho cheese pumper thing, but it's like if it was clogged. And to be clear, beans don't belong in chili. Be- beans do not belong in chili. We'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah, it's just backstory really quick. I, I got into a debate at work recently. No. And it was a very interesting debate because... There's an obvious disconnect between understanding what a debate even is or what chili even is. Sure. Because I I made the claim and did the gospel and said, beans don't go in chili. As soon as beans go in the chili, it is now stew or soup. It's not chili anymore. But a few coworkers would be like, well, that's just Texas chili. I said, no, no, that's chili. And then, well, what if you do yada yada and something something? I'm like, that's not chill anymore. anymore. It was this whole like, and so we had a chili cook off, but people thought it was like, let's find out which chili is best bean chili or no chili. And that's not. And they couldn't understand, like, no, this is just tasting the difference between stew with beans in it and And chili. chili. These are two different dishes. Yeah. Yeah. Eating too (laughs) too much chili. Who's our other not sponsor today, Seth? Our other not sponsor is Texas Roadhouse. Texas Texas Roadhouse. Do you want to get full before your meal and maybe throw up afterwards? Texas Texas Roadhouse. Roadhouse. For all of your Americana needs specific to Texas, Texas Texas Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Is it your birthday? Get ready to ride the saddle. Texas Texas Roadhouse. Roadhouse. When was the last time you had a high schooler give you a full plate of beef? Texas Texas Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yes, I will have a 20-ounce beer. (laughs) Texas Texas Roadhouse. House. Screw you, Logan's Texas Roadhouse. It's your favorite place. You just want to admit it, isn't it? Oh, Texas, Texas Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Isn't it funny how the only difference between Logan's and Texas Roadhouse is the butter? Yeah. Isn't that insane? That's wild to me. I mean, it is. Um, is it's like plank for plank, the, the same, same place. The design is the same. Is it the same people? I feel like it's a Dan's and Ann's situation. What is that situation? So, uh, you know, in Austin, you've got Dan's hamburgers and Ann's, and, uh, Ann's hamburgers. There's an Ann's hamburgers? Or, uh, Fran. Is it Fran? I don't anyway, know. So, Dan and Ann or Fran were married and had Dan's hamburgers, oh. and then they split, and 
the, the one of them got rights to the restaurant, and the other one didn't. Okay, okay. They went ahead and opened their own. And it's Anne's, but it's it Anne's, looks like yeah. Dan's. It looks like Dan's. Same, same, same. That it's is wild. Yeah. So maybe it's one of those situations. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh, something worth looking into for, huh. for an L- event in A little bit of a, yeah, okay. But yeah, so I, I think probably similar people, maybe business partners, maybe a rift, who knows. Just now we're just going to do two different things, but we both own the rights to the design and the menu. Texas Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> you want to hear about a thing that happened in Texas history I once do upon a time? Hear about once upon a time. So in Texas we have a, a pretty fun circumstance here, just by nature of when we're doing this episode. We're actually pretty close to the date of oh, wow. this actual event in that Texas history. Often. It is uh, September twenty fifth, eighteen thirty nine. Yeah, and that was the date that the country of France became the first. European nation to grant semi-official recognition to Texas as an independent republic. Viva la France. Viva la France. So, yeah, just a little bit of background. Following Texas' separation from Mexico, the major European powers were reluctant to take any steps toward recognizing the self-proclaimed republic until it became clear that it could survive in the long term and what international ramifications formal recognition might produce. France stepped out and said, you know what? It's it's a republic. We believe in you. We want cotton. It's, <laughs> we we need things. Um, and so yeah, a little bit of uh, some really interesting things here though. In 1841, the French opened a legation, basically an embassy, mm-hmm. which still stands in Austin, just a few miles from the site of the current Texas Capitol building. Let's go. And Texas in turn opened an embassy in Paris. France had waited to set up consulate general in, um, or France wanted to set up like a consulate general in Washington on the Brazos and a consulate in Houston as well. So they were pretty involved in yeah. Texas as a republic. Texas did expor- export cotton, which by the 19th century was fast becoming a vital commodity in Europe and an increasing cause of tension between France and the UK and other raw materials to France, while France exported iron, machinery, and finished goods to Texas. Dude, low-key, how many times has France been like, we'll support you, America, in some way, and America been like, eh, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, whereas Texas was like, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're kind of our neighbors and over in Louisiana. You know, yeah, they're they're over yeah, there. Yeah. They're, they've got some Texas things, yeah, yeah. kind of. Um, and yeah, both French and Texan natives patrolled the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. uh, just because you yeah, have people come port coming in and out. And although while the French Navy was never at war with the Mexican Navy, the Texian Navy often was. French ships began making less frequent visits to Mexican ports and increased trade with Texas. Absolutely. Fantastic. Viva so, France. Do you, be- think, do you think their presence in Texas was like big or do you think it was like wee wee? Wee wee. I mean, I guess it was small at the end of the day, just on a serious note, because there's so many German towns in Texas. There's so many... There's so many towns that were like, that's a German area. There's actually a really interesting contingent of French history in Texas, and we will sort of cover that a little bit, but uh, there's there's reasons for that. Because remember... France owned Louisiana, mm-hmm. which I don't just mean the state Louisiana, like the Lou, like owned, Louisiana territory, which was basically it the was the enti- Midwest was funneling the Midwest, into New Orleans, all the way into Canada. Yeah, like there were there were parts of that purchase, and we got it for a bargain. We got it for a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the only good, one of the thing. only good foreign deals we've ever made. Well, I was gonna say maybe the only good thing. Uh, 
Andrew Jackson did. Fair, fair. But that's an interesting presidency. Yeah, anyway. very, yes. <laughs> anyway, cursing parrot aside, what, uh, what's our small town of the our week? Our small right? town of the week is Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas is a city and the county seat of Lamar County, Texas, United States, nice. located in northeast Texas at the western edge of the Piney Woods. The population of the city was 24,171 in 2020. We got another 2020 census in Let's here. Let's go. We're catching up. We're starting to get um, there. Following a tradition of American cities named Paris, named after the French capital, right. the city commissioned a 65-foot-tall replica of the Eiffel Tower in 1993 and installed it on the site of the Love Civic Center, southeast of the town square. In 1998, presumably as a response to the 1993 construction of a 60-foot-tall tower in Paris, Tennessee, the city placed a giant red cowboy hat atop the tower. The current Eiffel Tower replica is at least the second one, and earlier replica constructed of wood was destroyed by a tornado. That makes sense. So pretty fun. I just love the Texan nature of, oh, oh wait, Tennessee's got a 60-foot... Here, 60, take my hat. 60 fat. <laughs> put, put this up there. <laughs> I got an idea. Put, put this up on there. Well, uh, <laughs> hear me out. And... Um, here at Texas, we've said it before, we'll say it again, we will always tell you what happened in a place or at a time. Even when it occasionally is uncomfortable. Even when it's severely messed up yeah. and we do not promote any of what I'm about to read, we are just telling you what happened in Paris. As it happened. And it will not surprise most of you. Just remember, I'm reading historic accounts. We're reading words on a page. And I'm not... I'm actually saying right now I disagree with everything I'm about to read. But just before this starts... This must be really bad. It's... Well, it's just a lot. Because I don't... I don't know that we've ever given that much of a preference. I'm also just... I know what I'm walking into, you know, when I when I leave this place. Sure, sure. So just, to make, just sure to make sure that all of the smart people that I talk to every single day are smart <laughs> enough to know that what I'm about to do is read a historic account. All right, let's go. All right. Um, from an 1880 United States census, that's not the place. Here it is. Um, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where'd you, there we go. The city has had a predominantly non-Hispanic white population throughout the majority of its history. The city, as such, has also been subjected to many racial controversies regarding minorities in the area. In the 19th and early 20th century, several lynchings were staged at the Paris fairgrounds as public spectacles, with several white spectators cheering as the African-American victims were murdered. A black teenager named Henry Smith was lynched in 1893. His murder was the first lynching in U.S. history that was captured in photographs sold as postcards and other trinkets commemorating the killing. Journalist Ida B. Wells said of the incident, Never in history of civilization has any Christian people stooped to such shocking brutality and indescribable barbarism as that which characterized the people of Paris, Texas. Sounds like somebody never read about the Crusades, but continue. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I agree with what that no, person that, is saying. I mean, that's, you a, know. that's a fair description. Uh, they did say, uh, oh, history of civilization, not American history. Yeah. Fair point on okay. the Crusades. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, not endorsement. Um, <laughs> on July 7th, 1920, Irving and Herman Arthur were... Arthur's... Yeah, I just want to make sure they say their name right. Were burned alive at the fairgrounds before a crowd of 3,000 people. 
Jesus. And their charred corpses then were dragged by a convoy of shouting white terrorists through Paris's African-American neighborhoods as a warning to the black community. In 2008, an African-American man, Brandon McClellan, was run over and dragged to death under a vehicle. Two white men were arrested, but the prosecutor cited lack of evidence and declined to press charges, and no serious subsequent attempt to find other perpetrators was made. The, this caused unrest in the Paris African-American community. Following this incident, an attempt by the United States Department of Justice, Justice Community, community Relations Service, to initiate a dialogue between the races in the town ended in failure when African-American complaints were mostly met by silent glares from the white community members. Whoa. And we're 2008. That's 2008. 2008. 12 years ago. A 2009 protest rally over the case led to Texas State Police intervention to prevent groups shouting white power and black power from coming to blows. In response to the incident, civil rights activist Brenda Sherry said, I think we probably we are probably stuck in 1930 right now. In 2007, a 14-year-old African-American girl was sentenced by a local judge to seven years in youth prison for shoving a hall monitor at Paris High School. Three months earlier, the same judge had sentenced another 14-year-old white girl to probation for arson this sentencing disparity occasion uh to cause nationwide wide controversy and the african-american girl was released after serving one year on order of special conservator appointed by the state of texas to investigate problems with the state's juvenile justice system three more paragraphs we're not done Whoa. yet <laughs> in 2009 some African-American workers at the Turner Industries plant in the city claimed that hangman nooses, Confederate flags, and racist graffiti were regular features of plant culture. At the same time, the United States Department of Education was conducting an investigation into allegations that African-American students in Paris' schools are disciplined more harshly than white students for similar offenses. In 2015, the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission ruled after an investigation that African-American workers at the Sarah Lee Corporation plant in Paris were deliberately exposed disproportionately to asbestos, black mold, and other toxins, and also were targets of racial slurs and racist graffiti. Some Paris, excuse me, residents downplay the extent to which the town has a race relations problem. Judge M.C. Superville commented, I do not believe there is a systematic racial discrimination of any kind in Lamar County. I do believe there is a misconception that that is going on. Whoa. I think he's wrong on that one. Yeah. Just, yeah, like... this is Not even, like, a, from an opinion standpoint, but from a factual... Just, here's what's happened. ...standpoint. If you... If you have if you have to bring in state police in two thousand eight to, to prevent a riot to, to prevent, prevent a, race a, riot, a race riot have a race and we've seen problem. instances where state police have failed to do, failed so, to do so but yeah you know this hey, is pretty bad man and also if it's to this extent yeah there might be some stories that are not true or some exaggerations of truth but Possibly. that's a reflection of the reality yeah like. If it's that you're intense, not, you're not <laughs> amplifying something that didn't happen. Yeah, you're just making something even worse, actually. And like, wow, uh, you know, starting this podcast, one of the things that we talked about was was in fact that Texas history is covered in blood. Yeah, right. And it was something that we were going to have to really look at mm -hmm. and, and I, just present and present. Objectively, objectively, mm -hmm. what is happening? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm glad we talked about that today. Yeah, and I think that 
I think part of being a good Texan and learning how to be a better Texan is facing burning Paris things. down. Is oh, burning. what did well, you say? Hey, man, I was going to say the French Revolution <laughs> happened for a reason. French Revolution happened for a reason. Paris has been burned several and times. And I guess this is a reflection of at the end of the day, French people suck. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's honestly what we're saying. It's in Paris, Texas, that this systematic yeah. racism is happening. You know, yeah, exactly. must be a reflection of the origins of of the French. Of them. Um, <laughs> and when we say them, we mean French people. And we mean French people. Uh, <laughs> And we're also joking about that part. Yeah. That part was a joke. <laughs> but yeah, really messed up. I hated reading really all of that. Really messed up, man. And Paris, Texas. It's a, reminder, it's a reminder <laughs> that the phrase behind the pine curtain right. doesn't really just mean there's trees there. No, it's... When Texans say that, we're acknowledging, like... So meth and the Ku Klux Klan are sort of over they're there. right there. Like, they're... Mississippi is right there. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this, uh, not to harp on the metaphor too much, but it is interesting how as soon as you get surrounded by dense forest, uh, hard you know, hard terrain, things that yeah. are hard to get through, mm-hmm. you end up with things like that. Yeah. Um, same like in Idaho and parts of the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Alabama, Mississippi, People Tennessee. People can't see you. Yeah. So you do... So you do... Some messed up stuff. That's yeah. why people from the high plans are so nice. You can't hide from you anybody. Can't hide from anything. Yeah, you just gotta stuff your racism down into mm-hmm. your gut. Uh, <laughs> do what we all do. Just d- stuff it down. Just stuff it down. Anyway. Um, anyway. Who, who's our Texas badass? Since nobody from Paris, Texas, is a Texas badass. <laughs> apparently, I think we just lost all of our Paris, Texas listeners. Yeah, we have. They don't even know uh, what a podcast is. <laughs> They're obviously dumb. <laughs> Like, right. you know how in the modern age, like, people who are racist, it's like, that's just dumb. That's just dumb. That's just, You're just, so, stupid. just a lack of intelligence at oh, this man. point. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, our Texas badass is it's one of those that is not from Texas. Okay. But had such an impact that they get the honorable mention. Honorable right? mention. René Robert Cabellet, Sieur de la Salle. How did you do that? I'm an actor. Fair. Um, so, this guy was born on November 22nd, 1643. And he died March 19th, 1687. That is way before anything in Texas ever happened. Sort of. Okay. He was a 17th century French explorer and fur trader in North America. He explored the Great Lakes region in the United States and Canada, the Mississippi River, and the Gulf of Mexico. Best known for an early 1682 expedition in which he canoed the lower Mississippi River from the mouth of the Illinois River to the Gulf of Mexico. There, on April ni- on the 9th of April, 1682, he claimed the Mississippi River Basin for France after giving it the name La Louisiane. La Louisiane. One source states that he acquired for France the most fertile half of the North American continent. So, this dude was one of the best explorers mm-hmm. of the time. A bushwhacker to the max, that's for sure. To the like, max. Do you ever think about that? How there wasn't a path. No. You just had to walk. You had to figure, you had to figure out how to get through areas. That's crazy. And he was going through areas bef- even before the Texas Revolution mm-hmm. where the people who lived there really didn't want you there. Well, the animals that the lived animals, there the, want to the, kill the, you. The land wanted to kill the you. The land wanted to kill you. The people wanted to kill you. So his whole thing was establishing Louisiana, mm-hmm. and what he wanted to do was make a port city that was accessible mm-hmm. specifically for the possibilities of trade down the future. Yeah. And this is about the Texas expedition, mm-hmm. okay? On July 24th, 1684, he departed France and returned to America with a large expedition designed to establish a French colony on the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. At the mouth of the Mississippi River. Okay. Keep in mind, in Texas, we have the Colorado, the Mississippi, the Ohio. We have so many different rivers 
that come through to, us, come through yeah, and empty out into the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Which at the time that was how you transported goods from one Up place there to another, to down there, and eventually to mm-hmm. other parts of the world. Yeah, right. So it was important to establish those routes and secure mm-hmm. them. They had four ships and 300 colonists. The expedition was plagued by pirates, natives defending their land, and poor <laughs> navigation. One ship was lost to pirates in the West Indies, so not even to not their destination. Not too far from, yeah. A second sank in the inlets of Matagorda Bay. They, found a, they founded a settlement near the bay, which they called the Bay of St. Louis, on Garcetas Creek in the vicinity of what is now present-day Victoria, Texas. Okay. LaSalle led a group eastward on foot on three occasions to try and find the mouth of the Mississippi because they're in marshland. It's yeah. not It's not like there's not just solid a ground and, a, and yeah. a big outlet that's like, oh, here's the mouth of the river. Yeah. No, it, the way that's the, the Gulf of Mexico is you kind of got to go through, go through a lot of different, yeah. the big river, right? Uh, so LaSalle let her, uh, in the meantime, the flagship LaBelle, the only remaining ship, ran aground and sank into the mud, stranding the colony <laughs> on the Texas coast. Shit's not going great yeah, for Yeah, that's three of four ships, right? Or is that... Oh, that's it. That's three they're, of three ships. Yeah. During a final search for the Mississippi River in 1687, notice the date, LaSalle got lost, and for two years he wandered without maps in the marshes of the Mississippi Delta. <laughs> What? Some of his men mutinied near the site of present-day Navasota, Texas, where there is, to this day, a statue of LaSalle. Okay. On March 19, 1687, LaSalle was slain by Pierre Duat during an ambush while talking to Duat's decoy, Jean... I can't say that one. <laughs> it looks like La Archive. Jean Le They were six leagues from the westernmost village. Was this of- French on French action? Yeah, man. His whole crew mutinied. They were like, we have been... Oh, the crew was was killing him. I thought there was a different group that they ran into. Still French, but his own crew was like, this is bullshit. Like, it's been three years. They were six leagues from the westernmost village of the Hassanai Tejas Indians. One source states that Duat was a disenchanted follower. Duat was (laughs) shot and killed by James Hems to avenge LaSalle. Over the following week, others were killed. Confusion followed as to whom killed who. Who killed whom... (laughs) You know, uh, like the crew just starts to cannibalize itself. So imagine Burning Man with guns. Yeah, nice. Uh, the colony lasted only until 1688, when the Karankawa-speaking natives killed the 20 remaining adults and took five children as captives. Wow. Tonti set out to uh, sent out search missions in 1689 when he learned the colonizers' fate, but failed to find any survivors. So that is the Texas portion of LaSalle's expeditions. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he ends up dying. Yeah. Is Ultimately, now... the French couldn't hang, basically. Right. Yeah. But all of his work led mm-hmm. to the eventual establishment of a colony in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Without his work, you would not have the Louisiana Territory, mm-hmm. which at the time covered parts of Texas. Yeah. And because of that activity, you then had a situation down the line where the French recognized the Republic of Texas. Shouts out, because we Shouts needed out. it. Because <laughs> we needed the help. We needed that commerce and a few of those guns. Dude, the French have given have given various Americans so much money for so little in return. Oh, man. Oh, man. But they, they're just so happy. They're, they're, I, they're, they're happy look, man, like Robin. <laughs> I like to make fun of French people, but honestly, they're the, they're the best. They're, they're awesome. so fun. They're, they're so, so fun. nice. We're, we're just joshing uh, French people, and just... <laughs> we do have a... I mean, well, he's... Really, we're just joking. We're joking. <laughs> 
Works on a couple levels. Uh, yeah, I got you. you. I got All you. Right. Um, we have a great <laughs> guest today. His name, he's our friend Robin, whose last name we still can't Robin pronounce. Robin from France. Robin Pastel. Robin Pastel. And... But what the catalyst to all this is Seth and a couple of people took Robin to Texas Roadhouse for his first Roadhouse experience. And it was just too fun to not have him on. And it went great. And share the experience. So we hope you love Robin as much as we do and not just because of his devilishly handsome good looks. Thank you all so much for listening. Here's Robin. except gagging so if you guys have any uh tips um i I don't know what to do because i really feel like shit right now (laughs) and welcome welcome to the interview portion text ish we have our wonderful friend he's also our wonderful frenchman friend robin (laughs) person that was a voice memo Um, that you sent to seth after a little trip you took a voyage to yeah. the one and only Texas Roadhouse. Robin, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you for having me. Robin Persegol. Robin Yeah, I'm Persegol. not saying it like that. Okay. Wait, is that so does the R make a H sound? Yeah, it's a very like throat noise. Right. Like, okay. Persegol. Persegol. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Robin uh, Persegol. So for context of, that yeah. was the end of a night where Seth, you, our friend Isaiah, friend Chelsea, went to Texas Roadhouse because it came out that you haven't been to a lot of American fine dining mm-hmm. establishments, correct? Yeah. Uh, we were talking about Red Lobster originally, uh, and I think Isaiah said, we have to bring you there. This place is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Which we and, still have to do. And we will, right? Yeah, there's a list now. <laughs> there's a list, yeah. <laughs> we have a list. Uh, but that's one of those places or like nobody really want to, you know, brings a foreigner because it it's not really like what represents America, but <laughs> I do drive on the highway every day passing those places yeah. and I see cars parked in front of it, but I've ne- <laughs> you know, I never passed the doors and that was kind of the conversation. Like I've never been inside to really know what the food is about. The only one I know and I like was a uh, Cracker Barrel. So you have been to Cracker Barrel? Yeah, yes. Cracker Wait, what's the order at Cracker Barrel? Oh, I do like the, you know, all American breakfast. Sure. Right? Nice. Yeah. Oh, but the, the, my favorite wrong. part is waiting in the country store yeah. and looking like at yeah. the crowd there. Buy some candles, get some gumballs. <laughs> get a candle, get some candy. There's you know, definitely maybe a person uh, out there who does their grocery shopping at chair. the Cracker Barrel country store. Oh, yeah, while they're, you know, at Sunday dinner. Yeah, and they're back to school bash. Um, we'll get to the list in a minute then, but I want to walk through this night. Uh, I'll let both of you sort of set the scene, oh, so sure. to speak. Oh, sure. So, if memory serves, we were hanging out at the pool one day, and mm-hmm. like you said, we were like, well, you know, you've never been to Red Lobster, and we started naming off all these places, and some of them are very much like, we're taking you there so you can experience it, and it's not going to be like 
good food or anything like that. It's just more the whole environment mm-hmm. atmosphere. But I unabashedly love Texas Roadhouse, as as do Texas most Roadhouse people I know. Is great. It's a it's solid amazing. place. Uh, so we decided that we would kick everything off with Texas Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. And from there, I would love if you dove into what it was like driving up for the first time and seeing the sign. Yeah, and I think we talked about that during the, the dinner is that like it's part of what you have grown up, you know, experiencing mm-hmm. all of that. All those things are fairly new to me. Like it's mm-hmm. five, six years uh, and I've seen them a hundred times, but I, I was genuinely excited to get inside and actually <laughs> yeah. see it. And you guys were kind of like raving about it, oh, telling man, me yeah. about like peanuts who you can throw the stuff on the ground, uh-huh. where the oh, shells yeah. on I the ground. about the peanuts. Yeah, so you actually have to throw them in buckets now. What? They yeah, you can throw them on the ground at all. You can throw them on the ground outside, but they don't let you do it on the inside that's anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, the crowd there is also very different than very what I different. experience every day in like central Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So used to all the, you know, bobo places on the east side and, <laughs> and the more upscale yeah, places on downtown. Leisure, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of camos. We, we, and, hang, yeah. we hang out with a very, you know, specific crowd mm-hmm. and they like to eat at very specific places. Yeah. Most of them not Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people judge me. Like uh, I, had some, I had some coworkers that saw yeah. the story that, that Seth uh, was posting and they were like, oh, you had like, you had never been there. First of all, they were surprised <laughs> yeah. and they were like, oh, like, did you have the buns? That was the second question. Right. And then it was about like, oh yeah, like it's, it's kind of gross. And I was like, hmm, yeah. I'm... The amount of calorie we ingested there, oh, that was, was the issue. Was but that's yeah. part of the American that's experience. That's part of the experience. You can't just go yeah. there and get, like, you know, the little filet. You've got to yeah. get... And we could have done the Chelsea route and mm-hmm. had one roll, had a bite of an appetizer, and a little six-ounce filet, and been fine. Yes. But we didn't. That's that's the l- biggest lesson learned for next <laughs> experience. It's not to show up and be like, oh, I'm going to, sh- like, stuff myself with everything. <laughs> because, yeah. And did, did y'all pick your steaks going in, or did you just admire the steaks? And then... I, I did say, like, I did show them the steaks, and I was like, look, it's not quite like Red Lobster where you can point, like point and, at the yeah. lobster and say, that's what I want. Oh, but, but I you, didn't but know. You See, you already telling me stuff about well, the yeah, next yeah. stop. Yeah. No, yeah, at Red Lobster. Well, no, at Red Lobster, that's... there's a big tank yeah. that smells really bad, yeah. uh-huh. and you can say, I want that oh, lobster, that and they'll pull it they'll out. They'll pull it out, and uh, okay. stuff happens. <laughs> now I'm fully expecting to pick my lobster when we go there. Uh, so I'll go in, and it did appear you were going in on the rolls. So mm-hmm. d- did you expect to go that deeply into the rolls, or did you have one and you thought, I've just got to keep eating these? Well, Zay had warned me about the roll being oh, yeah. amazing. So first of all, I had high expectation. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, I mean, it was the first time I had, uh, how do you call that, uh, cinnamon butter? Cin- yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. like, Because the rolls are good, but it's the butter. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the butter. That yeah. And everyone it. should have their own butter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think before the food was here, I at least had like two or three already. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we we went balls out. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And we I, we had fried pickles. We had uh, what did we have with the fried pickles? Uh, um, potato skins. skins. <laughs> with ranch and sour with cream. With ranch and sour nice. cream. Yeah, that. And Isaiah mm-hmm. has a thing about you can't leave a basket of rolls. You have to finish all the rolls before you leave. That that's mm-hmm. a good it's thing a good to rule. have. It's a yeah. good rule. Unless mm-hmm. you're like us and you're monsters and you just keep shoving your face full of bread and butter. <laughs> so by the time our 16-ounce steak gets to us... I was already full. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it was kind of loud, so I didn't yeah. hear when she asked me about uh, 
what was on the side of the stake. So yeah. like she literally, I mean, not her, not not the nice waitress we had, <laughs> but uh, they dumped like a bunch of onions and mushrooms on my steak. I couldn't uh, even see it. it. Like, oh, yeah, it was yeah. all over it. Yeah, so, but and, there was a steak underneath. Yeah, there was. It was, it was a 16 ounce yeah. steak okay. underneath. Gotcha. Uh, so, but by then, it was already full. Because <laughs> you're, like, you're drinking a Shiner too, right? So yeah, with two pints of that's Shiner. Thick, two pints, and yeah. then how many rolls did you have before... I, I want to say three and also a uh, side salad that was served before. Yeah. So like, you know, you had appetizers, salad, rolls, and <laughs> then finally, yeah. Point. And the baked potato. Yeah. You've had like a full meal already. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And what, how, how did the steak rank? I mean, the experience, great. But um, once you got to the steak, where does it rank among steaks you've had? I'm a... I'm a big believer that like if your meat is good, like you just want to eat by itself, just mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of salt, but oh, like no sauce same. and yeah, that's yeah. why I didn't get mushrooms and onions on mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't hear what you <laughs> were asking me. <laughs> so I didn't hear it. It's yeah. not my first language, so this was yeah. really hard. Yeah, and uh, I was a little bit overwhelmed with a lot of like he was like in the grease of the onion and the, uh. and the mushroom it was good and I appreciate when you say like you know medium rare it's actually medium rare yeah, yeah. because that happened too often that like they mess up yeah they'll overshoot yeah. it yeah at a steakhouse like that they're they're pretty good at it mm -hmm. but I'm sure our listeners can tell at this point you have a bit of an accent mm -hmm. um <laughs> slight it's just a small one you grew up in France I grew um, up in France and where like where in France uh, you look at the map, it's all the way to the south, close to Montpellier and Toulouse. All the, okay. the two closest cities. Uh, it's about an hour and a half from the Mediterranean Sea, about two hours from uh, the Pyrenees, two hour and a half from the Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you were pretty, like, country. I'm like, very yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so we have, France is divided in, like, smaller departements, we call them, department, department. It's like a smaller state. Okay. And, uh, is there an actual boundary line? Or is it yeah, just, they all have, yeah, like, it's more there. like an administrative, okay. you know, boundary line. But, uh, so, like, how, I'm, how we're, like, we're Texan. You're, like, I'm... Yeah, from yeah. Lozère. And Lozère, okay. my region, is the smallest, the, the less populated okay. uh, gotcha. in, in France. It's fairly high in altitude, in average. It's, like, a high plateau mm -hmm. uh, right above, you know, maybe, like... The edge of my region is when it comes down to uh, the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's in the south, and it's it's very much country, yeah. Yeah. What? Because, you know, in America, when you say, I'm from Texas, people make assumptions. Or when you say, I'm from California, assumptions. In France, like, what do fellow French people, like, assume about your region? If you say, I'm from... I'm from Lozère. Lozère, what, yeah. Lozère. Mm -hmm. What, like, what do other people think? Well, first of all, with my accent, right away, it sounds, you know, because it's like... Parisian and the rest of France, but the South definitely sounds like we, we are uh, not fancy, you know, like uh -huh. uh, it's More definitely like some country, yeah, yeah, and okay. uh, they expect you to be, uh, you know, from buttfuck nowhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, people yeah. people judge you, but I feel like I got really lucky uh, because my region is also the part I live is a national park. Okay. So um, it's very touristy, and every summer you have. A lot of tourists that come for the river. There is a big canyon, so uh, I was exposed to people from all around, all around, sorry, Europe, and even I met Americans, Australians, people coming in the region to do hiking and and every outdoor activity that that there is in the area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, heck yeah! And is everyone from where you're from massive and actually look German, or is that just you? <laughs> no, that's that's <laughs> my, me and my brothers are fairly different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm the biggest one. You stand gotcha. out. And I'm, I'm just imagining a country of people who look like you, and it horrifies me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Norway. 
Yeah. I thought I had more Scandinavian. I did oh, like yeah. the 23 and me. I do have some uh, northern yeah, European yeah. yeah, Scandinavian yes. blood. It's very obvious. It's very clear. Yeah. Dang, that's hilarious. You look like you should be a pitcher on a major league baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> Who also lifts a lot. And so not only like were you in the country, National Park, you grew up on an actual truffle farm, right? Yes. Uh, so we call that a truffle farm. Mm-hmm. But it's more, uh, we live on a regular house, okay. uh, and my dad has a bunch of like truffle plantation, okay. uh, which is fairly unique. I never met anyone else in France. I was like, hey, my dad is a truffle farmer. Really? Even in France, it's a fairly niche. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a delicacy, yeah. and it's very hard to get. It's, yeah. um, it's a very interesting business and, and farming because you try to maximize the condition mm-hmm. uh, in the soil at the mm-hmm. roots of the trees for the truffle to be able to, to develop, to grow, mm-hmm. uh, but there is no guarantee. Right. So it's like it's 5% of the trees that he plants that actually Enough. potentially have truffles. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up around that. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. use uh, dogs or pigs? Dogs. Yeah. yeah, we always at all time had three dogs and he takes them for like, you know, days of eight hours. and. Yeah. They, uh, so just sniff and try they to sniff, find the point where the truffles are in the ground. My dad starts digging, ask again to the dog to come and sniff and yeah. reward crap. them when he finds a truffle. And that's uh-huh. kind of like this relationship. It's very beautiful to see. It's it like, seems really cool. Yeah. As a kid, was that kind of part of your growing up is, is going out and working that? <sighs> it's it's uh, my brother. The uh, We are three brothers. My middle brother is uh, definitely much more interested in that mm-hmm. uh, and outdoor stuff. I was helping more taking care of the plantation not uh, so much in the the winter time the the truffle harvest season uh but then i played sports so mm-hmm. i was busy in the weekend doing that my other brother was more into hunting and okay. ta- and helping with the truffle and stuff so okay he's definitely gonna take over the business uh mm-hmm. one day and he al- already started his own activity yeah um no, my part was since I was like 14, every weekend I was playing rugby and I was getting out of town because, I, like I said, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, two hours, three hours away every weekend to go play rugby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't just play rugby. I mean, you played at a pretty elite level all the way up into, up through college, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, so there is no such a thing as like university or college sport mm-hmm. in France. It's more like club, but sure. like professional team yeah. have like their academy it's like a cedar team almost right yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah it's worked exactly the same as soccer yeah. yeah uh and so when i was finishing middle school uh i got uh kind of recruited by this high school that was like a special program where you were uh every day so it was a boarding school away from home uh-huh. i was about 15 year old and i went to play there i was going to school and only uh, hanging out with rugby players mm-hmm. we were practicing every afternoons uh, and then we were coming back in the weekends to play with our own uh, team. And so I did that for a year uh, and then I got recruited by a professional team to play and be part of the pool of, you know, future player. Yeah, exactly. So I did that for another year and then I got recruited and I moved, I changed high school for my senior year. uh, And I went to a city called Clermont-Ferrand where it's, it's one of the, best rugby team in France. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, not so much the past few years, but b- back in my... <laughs> like when you were yeah, yeah, historically, yeah. it's definitely the top five. And, mm-hmm. and even in Europe, say, like, mm-hmm. I have European championship and all of that. Um, so, yeah, it's what I did from uh, my high school days to my two first year of college. I was mm-hmm. 
the only architecture student that was ever an athlete in my school. Yeah. And so I was like having to, you know, juggle with going to practice and mm. play out of town. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and just going to do, do all nighters yeah. and in studio and, and design stuff for my school. That's great. Did and you always have a knack for drawing or did you just pick architecture? Like when, when did you begin pursuing that? Yeah, well? I always had loved planning and drawing. And since I was a kid, I think I got very lucky because I always knew I wanted to be an architect. When my parents were asking me what I wanted to do mm -hmm. when I was a kid, it was like, oh, I want to be an architect and Aww. draw houses. And you did it. And here I am. That's crazy. In the US, which was not expected. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to ask, so the US, that comes along as an option about two years in college, right? Yeah, I had done at this point three years in college. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a rough uh, third year mm -hmm. uh, because I was injured, got surgery um, on my leg. Uh, I had back problems too, and so I was not playing. And my uh, rugby team kind of told me uh, we're gonna let other team, like men's team, mm -hmm. bo or, like borrow you so you can get you know time on the field. Mm -hmm. But usually that means they tell you nicely that you're not gonna make it to the mm -hmm. next team. Yeah. So uh, I was not very interested to because I had my study in the city and I had to go out of town to play for other teams. Mm -hmm. So that's when I'm like. Mm. I kind of needed a change of scenery mm -hmm. and um, I wanted to learn English. Um, everyone in my school in fourth year was going out of the country mm -hmm. to do like a European program or South America. Yeah. And I chose, uh, I chose uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Beautiful Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> Beautiful Norman and Oklahoma. Because when people think of the U.S., they think of Norman, Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> Why and how did you choose Oklahoma? It's funny how life, you know, like throws stuff at you and then it just makes sense. Like I had one of my friends who he was playing the same rugby team, stopped a year or two prior uh, and we were still in contact on social media. And I saw that he was playing in Norman for the rugby team there. And so I just asked a few questions. He said, oh, I'm just playing for fun. It's just like nice to travel around. Uh, Texas and like other neighboring uh, state and you just get this American experience. So he tell me that. And then I meet people from my school that were in Norman for a year prior and did all exchange student experience. And um, I mean, it sounded like exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to learn <laughs> English, get all like student experience. So you follow the football team, you get like all the the party, the the thing that you see in movies, and yeah. I'm a big movie guy. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds actually like fun. That sounds great. Sounds and like then a good time. yeah, they were like, yeah, there's a big winter break, or you can travel for full months in the middle, so like you can discover the U.S. while doing that. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna try. That's Got in crazy. the program, yeah. and then I was leaving. Yeah, six months later, <laughs> uh, stopped the rugby with my my pro team and showed up to Norman, Oklahoma in August that year. Yeah. That's and how much English did you know when you got there? Uh, I was pretty good at understanding. Okay. Written understanding was good. Mm -hmm. uh, people, depending on accents and speed, and like yeah. if it's loud around. Uh, Just out the window. Yeah, <laughs> it was getting harder. Um, so how hard was partying? You know, when you're drunk, he's, he's yeah. tall and pretty. It is easy. That yeah, but no, when you're drunk, like you, yeah. it just removes so many boundaries, or you don't even think about what you, you know. It you, becomes very nonverbal. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, and also the fact that, like, you don't care about if what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. You're just yeah. gonna have to go and say A to B. You might take like 60 detours to say the right. same thing, but at the end of the day, you're drunk. You don't care. Yeah. What I'm hearing yeah. is the key to learning a foreign language is partying in that language. Uh -huh. 
and be alone. Like I, I had some French friends that I, I barely knew. Yeah. I mean, that I got friends more when I was in Norman, but I was pretty much alone when I showed yeah. up there. And so my roommates were like one from Norway, one from Turkey, one from Germany. Uh, it was like a very nice like melting pot of like yeah. we had to speak in English. That was our they were common sort of in the same boat, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Just gotta kind of learn exactly. This on the fly. They were all better in English than I was, <laughs> but uh, you were better looking. So it is funny that you learned English and we're like, I'm good now. I don't I don't need to work on it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty. Um, <laughs> and so, at what point? Like, what was your first? experience of america just coming here coming to oklahoma when were you like oh wow i'm in america well i want to say so i i spent a week in new york and mm -hmm. i feel like new york is portrayed in so many movies yeah. that i had seen it like you know it was nothing that like shocked me culturally mm -hmm. but then i landed in oklahoma city <laughs> <laughs> and already from the plane i could see like all the flatlands mm -hmm. of like burnt grass in august mm -hmm. yep. and yep. i was like okay now we are in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember getting a taxi from like the, you know, the welcome committee for international student. And we arrive at OU and it's like, you know, this giant stadium and uh, every, everything is like you have seen it in a movie, but I was like, okay, like right away, it's like American experience. You know, mm -hmm. that's now it, it starts right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Norman is, I know you guys, UT. Austin, uh, <laughs> Norman was a very welcoming and smooth transition blah, to the blah, U.S. Blah. We get it. It's, everybody's nice, no matter where. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma's like we're kind of like Texas. Shut up. You're not Oklahoma. Wish it. I just want to well, point out he's here, not there. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So, and before we get to Texas, yeah. What about college in America was like what you saw in the movies, and what was different? Um, frat parties. Mm -hmm. I was a rugby player, mm -hmm. so my teammates, some of them were frat guys and inviting me to, to parties. And it, it was like what they, you know, the red cups and like yeah. the punch and like, you know, all the, the <laughs> ratio <laughs> of like, yep. yeah, yep. of 12 girls for one guy and all of that. that. That was true. And then I just realized they were not really fun at all. <laughs> 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 but they make it like those outrageous mm -hmm. thing in, in movies. Um, so that was that was pretty accurate. Also, like football games mm -hmm. you know I, oh yeah yeah they, this is portrayed in some movies too and, and tv shows and when you're actually there it's it's actually very yeah. yeah and is there anything like what a soccer game is like as far as the intensity of the fans and more is it less? it's different you guys are way more like coordinate like you know yeah everyone <laughs> has like a chance and then Everyone's there's like dancer together. like yeah there's cheerleaders right. and there's, like, there's yeah. a lot more bubble. like yeah. ceremony around yeah. it yeah, yeah. exactly it's, and um it's also the scale of it like we so don't big. have giant stadium at, like it's not I as mean, big Norman's not even that big compared yeah. to like just yeah. or uh daryl k yeah. or mm -hmm. kyle field or yeah it's still like over eighty thousand, yeah. and the bigger stadium biggest stadium in paris is about the same size of the one right. we had in norman <laughs> oh, and uh the tailgate too mm -hmm. I, I like that you guys a special thing yeah make it a full day thing and yeah. it's like people travel like three four five hours just mm -hmm. park their rv and just mm -hmm. are there for celebrating the whole day together you know, yeah. yes. first jello shot I ever did was at a tailgate day and end. With our mom. With our mom. <laughs> uh, shout out, mom. Um, it's the only jello shot so she's, she's ever done. Ever done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, at what point does God really put his good hand on you and push you toward Texas? Where you're supposed to be. Um, Girlfriend. Sure. Uh, at a time. Mm -hmm. Very, very good classmate of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, she brought me here for Thanksgiving a few months after I got mm -hmm. to... Uh, 
to the US and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I got an internship that following summer. Okay. And uh, living here for like two and a half months, mm -hmm. I was like, that was definitely, I want to say, the turning point of I want to move to the US. And mm -hmm. it, it was not anymore uh, just like, I, I came here for an exchange program of yeah. a year. Uh, I was like, I can't see myself living here. And it was the first time I was like picturing, you know, a professional future and, yeah. and totally forgot about rugby really in my, uh, in my, uh, no, he was not weighing in my choices anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely loved Austin, transferred all my credits uh, to OU, and I came back for another year mm -hmm. and then graduated in five years, like uh, it would be for any architecture program in the US. Yeah, it's always exactly. five years. It's always five, yeah. yeah. And I got solar key. My company uh, got me a job, like gave me the job within an hour of me asking if I could come back. That's oh, wow. Crazy. So I was, I knew, yeah, I knew I would come back to. Uh, to Austin, Austin right after graduating. How mm -hmm. did your family and friends back home feel about you making the transition? Uh, to the state, not yeah, to like, right. gender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Score. thinking about it, but... Um, <laughs> my parents were pretty reluctant. Everyone else mm -hmm. was very supportive, and my sure. parents were like, you know, oh, wow, now we have one of our sons living a abroad. It's it's going to be uh, pretty challenging. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But overall, everyone was really supportive, and... It's so easy with our, you know, mediums of communication to, I'm able to call them on FaceTime anytime I want. Yeah. Um, and I keep saying, telling to everyone who asks me the question is, if it was not for all those technologies, I don't think I would be living here because yeah. I'm very close to my family and I like to talk to them a few times a week and all of that. If it was back in the days that you just can send a, a card every, yeah. you know, that would not be the same, but I get to see them on camera and mm -hmm. be part of their life. Have this they way. been here? Yeah. What did they uh, think? Um, what did they think? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they really enjoyed the food. Honestly, oh, yeah. they have been in the U.S. a few times now. And uh, you haven't taken them to Texas Roadhouse. What is? I we mean, went to we a to. Salt Lake barbecue. Yeah. That okay. was the okay. most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's close. It's close. Uh, what else? They, That's they loved. Texan. Yeah, it feels like Texan. Mm -hmm. yeah, and then yeah. you got get out there. It's and, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. The experience is great. <laughs> um, yeah, Mattel Rancho. Like they loved mats. Like mm -hmm. I brought them. They were asking to go more during the trip they were here. Is so. it funny growing up with Mexican food because like we don't think about it? Yeah, as we like don't think about it at all. At all, and people are like, "This yeah. is the coolest, the, this is the thing. best food <laughs> that's ever been made." Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up around Mexican yeah. food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking about it during the Texas yeah, Roadhouse dinner. That my first really experience of uh, any Mexican or Tex-Mex restaurant right. was. Uh, Chipotle. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, in New York, right? Street. That's in a yeah. horrible yeah. place yeah. to start. But like when you think about it, it's a good like toe. You nah, know, you, you gotta go to like Chewy's <laughs> or the local Tex-Mex place. Well, yeah, where... but they don't have a Chewy's in New York. Yeah. Fair, I, yeah. fair, fair. They're gonna one day. Yeah, but... we, we ended up because of Google reviews in like, we were in Wall Street like one night and there is nothing open. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, we need food before we get back to the yeah. Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we Google and we see Chipotle. It was like, oh, Chipotle, 4.2 reviews. <laughs> we're like, let's go there. We show up and it was the first burrito I ever had. And just big. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's yeah. kind of delicious. This is kind of fun. Yeah. This is, this is, like, all this of this is, is for me. Yeah, this is yeah. kind of like a Euro. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. More things. More complicated. Yeah. And it was my, my spicy tolerance. I would mm -hmm. say my hot, hotness tolerance, yeah, sure. whatever. Spice, spice tolerance. Yeah. Very, like, increased so much since that time because <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember thinking it was really spicy and now I, Chipotle like, every two days yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah I don't so that's freaking really funny, funny. Yeah. and so back back to Texas Roadhouse yeah. you know 
full that, circle. That was your first experience. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's on the list? Where else do we have to take you to really give you the full perspective of this is what it means to be American? Right, and the, obese? the interstate restaurants. Yeah, um, yeah, inter- the interstate restaurants. Yeah. Red Lobster's on the list. Uh huh. Um, Chili's. Okay. Oh, definitely. Chili's. Definitely Chili's. TGI Fridays. Do yeah. Know, do they even open those anymore? Outside of we're gonna find one. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of those. I don't think I've ever seen any. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like malls and airports right. are sort exactly. of their thing. Is uh, it? Is it the one that is a uh, uh, red and white? Well, is the, it TGI Fridays? Yes. That, TG, yeah, they have the yeah. Like, yeah, stripes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they uh, do you remember whenever they like you wouldn't remember, but when they started, uh, TGI Fridays was like a club. Was like, it really? Yeah, they did like flair bartending at night, and it was <laughs> like the guy who started it wanted it to be the place to be. Wow! So like like cocktail the movie yeah is based on TGI Fridays. Well, it never worked out. No, <laughs> well they shift. They did a hard shift. They, did a hard, they like, were like, we're gonna sell frozen chicken started. wings and just be yeah. Applebee's. Anyway, Applebee's. Applebee's on the list. list. <laughs> okay, I heard IHOP and Denny's uh, made its way on the Denny's list house. too. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I've never been to any of those. Been to a Waffle House. He has been I have. Yeah. Okay, so he's been to the best. He's got. He's been here a while. He's got yeah, but he was a 5 a.m. trip, you know. Well, I mean, post, that's how you have to do it. Yeah. So uh, I've... Um, I don't remember too much yeah. of it. Yeah. I don't gotcha. remember the food. What, on your list, if you're choosing, what mm-hmm. are things that you haven't done or been to or tried that you still want to try? In life or in the U.S.? In the U.S. <laughs> that are specifically like American things that when you in your head think, oh, that's American or, oh, that's Texan and you haven't done it yet. What are, What's that list look like? There's part of the country that I really want to go that I've not mm-hmm. gotten to experience yet, especially the uh, Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. Which is very different than Texas. Very, but different. very yeah. different. In a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very yes. beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I really want to do that. Okay. Uh um, I'm not gonna lie. All those beautiful restaurants we talked about mm-hmm. were not part of uh, what I was dreaming about. <laughs> Absolutely, not. but uh, it's. I loved our first experience, and I'm very excited <laughs> for the next one. Uh, and we'll throw in some fun ones too. Yeah, like, may- we'll, maybe throw in some night, like yeah, some yeah. actually. We'll, good we'll throw in Jay Carver. We'll yeah. throw in. You know, we'll throw in Uche, Red like, We'll have some fun. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take a video camera next time too, especially for Red Lobster with the cheddar biscuits. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, those so cheddar good. bay biscuits. But we're cutting you off at two. I will be very no, cr- because no I felt like I was not expecting you to play the the voice memo I did <laughs> I made, but uh, yeah I felt horrible for yeah. twenty four hours. <laughs> hours. So now yeah. I learned my lesson. I'm trying did, to did train. Did you feel like sick or was it sick and also you just felt bad? Like I so there was I'm you know training a lot so like there was a the part of me that felt guilty because I'm like this meal is gonna set me back a full twenty four hours at least because <laughs> yeah. I feel. Terrible. I'm <laughs> gonna sleep terribly. I was supposed to run in the morning, and I was like, with no the night I spent after that, I was like, there is no way I'm no gonna way be. So I did a kind of a rest, you know, yeah. recovery run. So that was the first part. But then physically, um, all ends, both ends. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was it was a struggle. So oh, like, struggle, yeah, yeah. yeah so you know when you sweat, you sweat yeah. the the, you sweat the, the meat out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, ne- next time, I think, cut off at two biscuits. Cut off at two biscuits. Uh-huh. And maybe don't go with the side salad. Like, leave more room for Leave the some room for entree. You know? Yes. Like, the salad's one not appet- going to help one you in these restaurants. Mm-hmm. And probably no beer. The yeah, two, or like the two two just one beer, just, yeah, you know, beer, with yeah, the appetizer yeah. when you wait for your food, but not yeah, yeah. two pints. Yeah, two yeah pints. y'all were yeah. too excited. We were too I, excited. Yeah, got lost in the Admittedly, sauce. Admittedly. That was the most fun I had had. <laughs> Me too. That was, I, I was cracking. And up. the part, the part that we've skipped is, um, it was your birthday. 
I I guess he was my first name. <laughs> I learned that when the yeah, guy when was you, like, how yeah. old are you? And I was so like, was oh. it Isaiah or was so it? So it was Isaiah's uh, idea. He pulls me and Chelsea aside and he's like, we got we to gotta say it's his birthday. You know that, right? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, obviously. That's actually a good point. So uh, Chelsea got up to use the bathroom mm-hmm. at one point and pulled the waitress's side. And I, I don't know if she actually was like, it really is his birthday or like, hey, he's foreign. This is going to be fun. <laughs> But uh, I don't know if you know this at Texas Roadhouse, they wheel out the, the, saddle, the saddle and uh, and they were, do the whole thing, man. Uh, it was the best. So to watch. we got we'll we have got to, to share celebrate. that video. Yeah, we'll have to share that footage. video. Um, um, well, Robin, thank you so it. much for regaling yeah. us with tales of France and also of Texas Roadhouse, and we're gonna have you back absolutely after uh, all these restaurants. You know, I know, I, I know, we say it, but on air, we have to make it official. You are very special to us you're one yeah. of our best friends mm-hmm. um we love we, you so we are much. so glad that we i love you guys you, you you make a squatch and austin very special <laughs> so that's why when i listen to your podcast and you're like talking about potentially moving out of here i'm like fuck those guys Aww. like they gotta stay just move with us yeah. move with we'll us. take you with us we're man. here like we're uh, here for right now yeah so. we're not going anywhere anytime soon heck yeah um but do you okay you got robin we asked this for all our guests uh-huh. our last question as always what does it mean to you to be a Texan? I think there is a few aspects to the Texan people that I, they are always very welcoming. I never experience anyone like being, you know, no racism, even if I sound very dumb when I talk and I have an accent, like everyone has being so nice and welcoming. Uh, and you can tell that you guys are also like hard ass. Like, I don't know if it's the climate. I don't know if it's like the history of like, you know, your ancestor coming here and having to, but everyone is, uh, you know, you can tell you, you don't want to rub you the wrong way uh, too. Like, I don't want to have a road rage, like I experience accident <laughs> with any Texans. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a really peaceful French guy. Um, but yeah, it's like the, the kind of like the, it's not the contradiction, but you guys are like uh, very nice and, uh, very welcoming and at the same time you know you you know you don't want to get in trouble yeah. yeah yeah definitely oh, I love that answer I love that Robin answer. dude thanks so much for taking the time can't wait for the Red Lobster video we're gonna make it it's gonna be great you and Jenny gotta join next time it'll be fun it'll be great mm-hmm. bye, bye y'all, y'all.